Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Welcome, everybody, to episode 41 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm Phil Souza, and I'm here with my good friend, Jerry McMullen, from the Worst Comic Podcast Ever podcast. How are you doing, Jerry? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back. I, I always, I, I record a show with you guys, and I think, oh, I hope that's not the last one. I hope I did everything <laughs> right. And when you when you reach out, it's like, oh, they still like me. I, I did something okay, so I can, you I like can come back really and, like and talk and pitch my wares. Yeah, so. um, we love having you on. Um, I think this is the third. Is this the third appearance on this podcast? Because I know we did Black Hole. Yeah, and we uh, did Glory Road. Glory Road. That's right. Yeah. So this is uh, appearance number three on Disney Plus. I did a couple appearances back on Horrible Movie. Um, so I should I should get I'm getting close to getting access to the magical green room where you get the robe and. <laughs> everything so yeah. looking forward to that of course the the green room has to be virtual these days but <laughs> yes yes it does but we'll take it we'll take it so um we have to before we get started and talking about the the movie that we're covering today which is uh, who framed roger rabbit i'm really excited to get to that but we talked a little bit before we hit record on the show today about planet comic-con so i i think mm -hmm. we kind of need to address that because we had mentioned it on both of your appearances i think we had mentioned like oh we're so excited yeah. for planet Planet was supposed to be in the spring, late spring. Mm -hmm. It got postponed. It was supposed to happen in August. I think the last time we had mm -hmm. you on, we're like, oh, you know, so excited for the August date. Hopefully it still happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. And then it got can that got canceled. So it's been, mm -hmm. they, they keep using the word postponed, but let's be honest, it, it basically got canceled. It, it is officially canceled for 2020. Uh, it has been rescheduled for mid-April of 2021 uh Bartle Hall downtown Kansas City pretty much every con has had to cancel this year mm. um that was scheduled any any point from like mid March on has canceled i think the last big con was C2E2 in Chicago the first weekend of March mm. when things were just kind of starting to develop and i think everyone at that con was paranoid all weekend uh yeah. and, you know Concrete is a real thing, uh, but mm -hmm. I think that the threat of an unseen pandemic looming had everyone worried at that con. And just for the cons to work, you've got to have a large number of people coming through the door. Yeah, that's, that's the that's the key goal for any any con organizer. And if there are restrictions in place, if there are fears keeping people at home, regardless, it's 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 impossible to do uh with with planet comic-con here in kansas city a lot of that is local ordinances 
from the city of Kansas City, limiting size of gatherings and and you know getting the mask requirements in place and it, it, it you would think that would be a no brainer for the for the Comic Con community having to wear a mask. You know it, you can at least accessorize, get gloves and a cape, and really make it work as a costume. But yeah. there are still people that are are holding off wearing the mask, and I say to them, good luck. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i um I, I told you this i've actually probably said this on both of our episodes from the show previously but planet comic con is one of the things i look forward to the most every single year and the fact that i was so so hopeful that the august thing would hit and when it got canceled i got that email just like thousands of other people did and i was just crushed like i was just like yeah. no I, like i was so so excited to go um so yeah I, unfortunately we'll have to wait another this whole year and, and just wait until next year it's in the history of of planet comic-con uh i mean it's it's not how long has it been several decades now it's been going on they've they've been going on for 20 years now 20 okay um they had to take off one year early on because the building that they normally that they used to use in overland park kansas was undergoing renovation oh wow um but they made up for it by having two shows the next year or some something along that lines. But uh, yeah, they've they're 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 crushed because I mean they're in the business of putting this show together and you work for months and months and then having it canceled right at the last minute just hurts. And you know, for us as attendees, we talk about this a lot on on my podcast. The con the con experience, you're you're with your tribe. Mm. I mean, you have, you, you have your family that you're born into or you're married into, <laughs> and then you've got your extended work family of people who have all been brought together on a common task, but a comic con that's bringing a tribe of like-minded people together, people that have the same interests as you, the same hobbies, mm. the same curiosity about life and things. And that's bringing everyone together in, in one place. And you, you feel at home with your tribe, mm. you know, there's, there's times I love my family. I love them dearly, but there's times they just don't understand my geeky <laughs> nerdiness towards comics or the movies <laughs> or things like that. And they kind of look at me side eye and think I'm related to this guy, but, <laughs> but you don't get those side eye looks at a con because everyone's the same. Everyone, those, the cons are so accepting of anyone and everyone. And it's just, it's the feel good time of each year where everyone gets together. I mean, we talk, you know, you and I met at a con the first time yeah, years ago. Our whole friendship is based on planet comic. Con. I mean, like, yeah. originated with planet comic con. We're obviously friends for more mm -hmm. reasons now, but that when we first met, that was at planet. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I, I miss getting to see, those tribe mates that I only see once a year at a con and it's, it's going to kill me waiting until April to get to see some of these people. And it's going to be even harder, whether knowing or not, if I can hug them or fist bump them or, you know, shake elbows with them, you know, it's, yeah. I, I want our tribe to be together. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I live, I, I live in Springfield, Missouri area, mm -hmm. and the the Planet Comic Con takes place in Kansas City, mm -hmm. which for people that aren't familiar with the geographics of Missouri, that's a three-hour drive, uh, almost. Yeah. And so, 
like but that's not a barrier like people come people come from chicago they come from maybe further distances to come to planet comic-con and so yeah I, i'm i can imagine being a part of the board that made the decision to finally pull the plug entirely on on the convention because now you're not just affecting people that live in kansas city you know granted probably most of the people that come to the con live in the area but then there's another what 30 percent or higher maybe 40 percent or higher that that are coming from long distances so now you're inconveniencing people from chicago from indianapolis from springfield um yeah you're you're drawing the the con targets about an eight nine state region um, of getting people in actively uh planet common con in terms of attendance their top 20 in the country in terms of attendance um they and they're privately owned and and that's so many of the larger cons have bought been bought up by corporations yeah uh but this is still a privately owned locally run show um all those all those cons that have been bought up they're run by people in other cities you at least know planet comic-con the people are right there running it year round yeah so yeah Wow. Yeah, it's a, a big uh, crushing thing that happened this year. And um, I wanted to address it because we talked about doing a live show, a live mm-hmm. Disney Plus reviews show at the con back in April. And then mm-hmm. in August, we had kind of said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll just postpone it. We'll, whatever we're talking about in, in August, we'll talk about it at the con. Yeah. And then that didn't happen either. So hopefully we'll get to do a live show next year. Um, I, I'm mm-hmm. sure the podcast will still be rocking uh, by then and we'll do something live then. So, um, and uh uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I miss it and not going to cons in general. Like I've been to other cons as well since planet, mm-hmm. since I started going to planet, planet comic con was my first ever comic con. Um, yeah. but I've gone to other cons and then those have been canceled too. It's been, it's been a rough go, but, um, towards the end of the show, I, I want to not only obviously, um, talk about your podcast um, mm-hmm. that you have, um, going on with your, your, uh, friends, but, um, also talk about the live, um, thing that you guys did at, at planet. Absolutely. planet we'll talk about that at, at the end of the show, but, um, cause, uh, I think people will want to know about that and, and maybe tune into some of that stuff mm-hmm. of course san diego and other comic cons are doing everything it's just all virtual cons this year mm-hmm. so it's a new thing so, new opportunity yeah absolutely um so yeah if you're just joining us for this podcast this is a unofficial disney plus podcast reviewing the most popular stuff on disney plus is including some crazy live action animated hybrids like this one uh, who mm-hmm. framed roger rabbit one of the most uh, intriguing uh, movies, for, I think, from the '80s, as far as like technology and visual effects, this got, this movie got a ton of buzz. Um, they somehow did this on a, a fifty million dollar budget, um, which I know it's adjusted for inflation; it's more or whatever. But they they really kept the, the budget kind of low, um, maybe by you know not casting a ton of big actors other than Christopher Lloyd, of course. But um, Bob Hoskins had done a couple things. I, I don't know if he done Mario yet. Mario was probably a little earlier than this I think- movie. I think, I think that came next. The very next year, maybe. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to look that up here in a second. But, um, but uh, obviously, a lot of the money went into the 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 visual effects and the 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 you know cross animated and live action on the same screen at the same time, um, which we can get into all that um, uh, technical details here in a little bit. But came out in 1988 um, and. Um, uh, we're just going to get into it, talk about like our history with the movie. Um, you know, I watched it again this week. I think you watched it recently um, as well, just to kind of review it. I hadn't seen it in a very long time. 
Um, so we'll, we'll kind of get, and we are going to get into spoilers. I, 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 it's such an old movie. It's, it's like, it's funny to even mention that, but I, I guess like some people would be like, no, I didn't get a chance to, to watch it this week. I've never seen it. Um, just know that we are going to get into all the details and spoil the whole movie. So, um, you've been warned, um, came out a long time ago. You're either listening to this cause you've already watched it or you're not going to, and you just want to hear us talk about it. So, um, Jerry, let's start with you as far as history with the movie. When did you first mm-hmm. watch this movie? What do you? What do? You, uh, I think mm-hmm. everyone that 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 watched this at, an, at a at a like when it first came out or soon after that probably has the same reaction to like you know just being blown away. But mm-hmm. like, what do you remember thinking as you were watching this when you watched it the first time? Um, all right, first of all, I'm dating myself here. I'm old enough <laughs> to have seen this in the theaters when it when it debuted uh it came out in 1988 which was the the summer between graduating high school and going off to college and i remember grabbing some friends and going to see it and just being blown away by it and the the critic reaction at the time was extremely positive everyone was ranking this as one of the top movies of the year in terms of in terms of this yeah, in it terms of the story, yeah. the visuals, the technology, just the fact that, you know, it was movie was released by Touchstone, which was a Disney offshoot studio um, where they they pushed a lot of their live action, more adult oriented films towards. And you were bringing in characters you were bringing in like the Warner brothers characters, uh, the buds bunny and the daffy duck and the porky pig, those and mixing them up with the Disney characters like Mickey mouse and Donald duck. And you had never seen that before. I mean, it's one thing. This movie is based on a book who censored Roger rabbit, uh, by Gary Wolf. If I recall correctly, yeah. book out of ni- 1981, if you're writing a book, you can incorporate any characters you want, provided you don't get sued. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's one thing to write about these characters interacting in a book, but to put it visually up on the screen was just mind blowing. I mean, you just didn't see team ups like that in a movie. And so um, it was one of those. I think I saw it twice in the theaters. I remember in college, one of my friends had a VHS tape of it and we would watch that on a, on a fairly regular basis. I mean, I had for the, for the longest time we were all trying to, to master our, please Eddie. <laughs> I remember uh, there were, I had a friend of mine that could do it really, really well. You did, actually did a great impression of it just now, but yeah, like I, I remember so I, I'm younger than you. I, I was really hoping to have Grant on for this episode, and I should have said that at the beginning of the recording, but um, Grant couldn't make it this morning. He's got uh, family birthday celebrations going on today. We just couldn't make it work. But um, I, he was born in, um, like all three of us were born in different different decades. So um, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember how old you are. I'm not going to make you say it on the show, but <laughs> I, I was born in 1979. Uh, he was born in 1992, I want to say. Um I- and then you were born before 1979, let's say. So let's just say I've got 10 years on you. <laughs> okay. So like when this movie came out, I was only nine and I definitely was not allowed to watch it. Um, my parents were pretty strict as far as it was PG 13. They were like, you're not 13. 
uh, we're not going to let you watch it. And so mm-hmm. I think I finally watched it. I might've been 12. Uh, sometimes they kind of let some things slip. Like by the time I was almost 13, but um, I was 12 or 13 by the time I finally got to watch it. But even then, like four years after it had released, I was completely blown away. And I, I wanted to get Grant's perspective on it as well as someone who wasn't even born for like, I mean, he, he was not even born when the movie mm-hmm. came out and yeah. watched it probably in the late, you know, early 2000s or whatever. Um, but I, I would say probably even in the early 2000s, he was probably pretty amazed by it. Mm-hmm. So I think, one, I think one of the most amazing things about it, just from a, um, uh, just from like an a, arrangement pr- perspective is that they were able to pull off having the different IPs like you like you talked mm-hmm. about earlier. So there are scenes literally, which you would never think that this would ever be possible to pu- actually pull this off. But you have actually a scene with like Mickey Mouse in the same on the same screen at the same time as Bugs Bunny. There's another part where Donald Duck and Daffy Duck are like dueling dueling pianos, mm-hmm. and that I- that was part of the contract to get to get everyone together yeah. is that the main, the main Warner brothers characters, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck had to have equal amount of time as the main Disney characters. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's why you had Donald and Daffy together. Oh. Is that they could share the scene together. It was the same length of time. They got equal amounts uh, towards the end. You get Mickey mouse and bugs bunny together and they're, they're in the entire scene together. They share the scene. So they get equal amounts of time. That was, that was Warner brothers requirements for letting Disney use their characters like that. Yeah. Yeah, that that stuff is fascinating to me. I I did read that they they wanted even more um, characters, which is hard to believe that they would could pack up pack even more characters. But they wanted um, like some of the uh, like like for example like Sylvester and mm-hmm. Tweety or the Tweety Tweety is in there, but like yeah. some of the other like cartoon characters were wrapped up in other contracts and they couldn't make those contracts work. So, I mean, the fact that we got as many characters as we, Betty Boop is in there, like random characters yeah. from, from cartoon yesteryear are in here is I think amazing. Um, I mean, Dumbo and like, you know, several other Disney characters, the movie takes place in 1947. So I don't know if they were trying to keep it to just characters that were ancient you know, catalog characters or they uh, characters that were current at the time of 1947. Yeah. So like sleeping beauty or like Cinder, I think Cinderella came out after 1947, maybe like those characters would not be eligible for, cause they're trying to be true to the time period. You, you could have had like snow white and the seven doors. True. You had, you could have had Bambi. You did have Dumbo. Um, it, things like that. You know, the, the, the one, obvious omission i see and i'm sure there were probably others but having like popeye appear oh yeah that would have been a character that would have been current at that time they probably did want to have him in there they just couldn't make it work yeah so it it's it's interesting as a as a time artifact because you're capturing a specific time with a specific set of characters and i was talking to my kids about it and it's like you know imagining what they could do today with the technology and the, and the availability of characters. And you think about movies like Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. uh, where yeah, they, yeah. they kind of uh, brought all these characters together or Ready Player One yeah. was another movie yeah. like that, where they, they brought everyone together. I would, I would love to see who framed Roger Rabbit redone 
maybe put it in a more current time just so you can have more characters available to use within the story. Yeah. Yeah. At, at this time in my life, like in, in the eighties and nineties, again, I was a kid. Um, I was watching a, a ton of cartoons, obviously mm-hmm. as every kid does, but Looney Tunes was my jam. Um, you know, I watched a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, Disney channel was always on in our house. So I, I was familiar with not just the characters, but the crazy antics, like the, the same stuff that you see in this movie I was watching on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. And so I remember watching this and going like, like I, as I'm sure a lot of kids did, would like, is Roger Rabbit a, is that is that a real character? Like, did they make up this character for this movie, or is that like like it feels so real, so it feels so mm-hmm. authentic? Like, oh no, this was a real character in the '40s, um, and the way they like the the movie literally starts out with a a fake like cartoon. Mm-hmm. real of like it's like three three or four minutes long of a baby herman tv show that never existed it's just something that they created for the movie but it feels both because it's it's characters that you know that you recognize on screen as that's daffy that's donald but also the, the juxtaposition of this world that feels so real and roger rabbit feels like a real character that's always existed for 80 years like it, it all just gels so well together it feels it feels natural the, the other takeaway I had is that films were still pretty much confined to Hollywood at that point. Studios were had all their headquarters there in, in California because you can pretty much shoot year-round and not have to worry about weather and things like that. And you didn't see studios that were setting up in other parts of the country. So um, if you were to do it now it would be a little harder to to have all those characters together in one physical place like you could in 1940s Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a perfect setting for it. And obviously, it, they wanted to tell... I mean, it's based on a book, so I, I guess the book wanted to tell this, this uh, murder mystery. It almost... Uh, feels it's not quite film noir but it it kind of feels that way (laughs) like um you know that you've got this you know uh cigarette smoking drunkard uh detective that is you know annoyed by the people that he has to you know get paid from and like you know that kind of uh, you've seen this in other movies played Mm -hmm. out and it's it's such a perfect setting for this kind of story it's it's really funny if, if you i don't know if you've looked up the books um no i haven't they they did two editions of the book. The first book, uh, Who Censored Roger Rabbit, came out in 1981, and it has a very noir cover to it. Very dark. You see the characters kind of backlit. Um, the author was posing as Eddie Valiant on both covers. Oh wow! And it's it it looks very dark. They reissued the book in 1988 to coincide with the movie, and it's that book has a very bright color and they use the Roger rabbit from the movie and it's blue skies and (laughs) sunny days. And the, the Eddie character looks out of place wearing a, a hat and trench coat and dealing with the cartoon rabbit, which is kind of what you see within the, within the movie itself. But the, the book was definitely more the noir storytelling with the dark gritty, brooding detective despondent about the death of his brother and hating hating the tunes and all of that so uh you're you're right on track about it being a noir inspired film yeah yeah i uh 
I I I really like the um the the, the premise and and the plot of this movie actually is is pretty good. Like as far as like these. Like I, if the if the movie had nothing to do with cartoons, it, I think it would still hold up as a pretty good murder a murder mystery. Like mm-hmm. what 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 happened? There's a lot of um, corporate espionage or not espionage is not the right word. Corporate, uh, you know, um, takeover and you know who's who's in charge and who's trying to get what is what even is the goal of all this? Like you're just as confused as the characters are as you're watching it, and then add to it this this super like. Um, unique style of let's have cartoons as actual human beings like that exist in this real world. Mm-hmm. It, when you watch it for the first time, you're just like the, the, the again, the, the first three or four minutes you're just watching a cartoon. And then you realize these aren't, this isn't an animated thing. Like people didn't like draw these characters on a, on a canvas. Mm-hmm. They're just people that are literally acting a scene and they talk about how Roger is having trouble delivering his lines. And, and then, and then, then from there within the first five minutes, they've done, they've done an excellent job of transitioning you in like, okay, tunes just exist. Like they're just real people that you have to interact with every day. They're at the grocery store. They're at the gas station. They're at your church. Like these are just like normal people mm-hmm. that, I mean, not at normal people, but they're super weird, but like they, they, they do have their own like little district of Chicago or wherever this takes place. And, and, and they kind of keep to themselves, but they also interact and, and everyone has met a tune at some point. It's just, yeah. it's just everyday life. So I think yeah. it's so cool. So yeah, I, I remember just being blown away by that even as a kid, like just um, it, it feeling so real. Um, as far as the technology goes, and we'll we'll get into the plot and and the characters and stuff. But um, I I remember thinking it looked incredibly real when I first saw it, and then now when I watch it now, it's like man, Roger Rabbit looks kind of dark. Like he he looks like tinted, like dark on screen. Yeah. That I mean for eighty eight for nineteen eighty eight. I mean, it, it it won every Oscar award it was nominated for, probably for this kind of visual effects and stuff like that. Um, and there's a reason why it had like a fifty million dollar budget, but like a three hundred and twenty seven million. It was one of the the most the biggest blockbusters of the entire year of every movie that came out that year. Yeah. So, um, but like I go back and watch it now, and I, and I was just like. Ooh, like they're like visually, it, it doesn't hold up as well as I remembered it being. Correct. <laughs> I I had that same experience rewatching it the other night. Is it? It's the same movie. Yeah. It it just maybe we've been spoiled with <laughs> all the advances in technology, and we want, and that's part of the reason why I'm advocating for a remake of some kind. Yeah. Is you know, let's see it done with with current technology and abilities and see what they can do. Uh, but it does feel it, it views very much like a 1980s movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I, I think visually it, it, it looks a lot like Tom Hanks and Turner and Hooch (laughs) and, and just in terms of the lighting and, and everything about that. But, um, the, the movie look, clearly looks like it's on set. Like it's, it, yeah. it almost, I almost never, and I'm not sure that they ever filmed on anything other than a set. I was reading how they filmed, they filmed this movie for uh, over the course of seven and a half months, by the way, <laughs> super long uh, production period. And I, I think a lot of that was the set design. And obviously they had to, they had what blew me the way that, uh, the most when I was a kid was that like, I know that the, the animated character on screen is not real, um, mm-hmm. but they're treating it like it's real and the character is even holding 
human objects. So like there, there are parts where like Roger will, you know, um, takes, you know, pick up a, a glass or, um, you know, there's a part where he's banging his, his, his own head with a pan over and over and over, or I'm sorry, with a plate over and over again. Um, and, you know, picks up a hat and throws it or whatever. Um, at one point he's like, you know, holds a, uh, what is it like he holds like a safe no it's not safe it's some, some some kind of object over his head oh no he's trying to get out of something he's he's pulling something off of his head yeah and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking so now now you're thinking about as an adult you're thinking about you know they're doing stuff with wire work or they had you know someone in a suit that you know was blue screened out or something like that like they're doing and and then you start to realize okay yeah i, I know exactly why it took him seven and a half months to pull this off so yeah some of the notes i read um Charles Fleischer was the voice actor for Roger Rabbit. Okay. And they said that there were times where he would pose off camera when he was having scenes with Bob Haskins to help Bob make certain that his eyes were in the right place. Oh yeah. Uh, as they were, as they were visually talking. And it, it reminds me so much when you see the production stills from like guardians of the galaxy with, um, rocket raccoon yeah and yeah <laughs> sean um sean gunn uh the brother of uh the director he he did a lot of the motion captures as rocket and so he would be in all these scenes wearing this wearing the suit so <laughs> that the actors would know where to look or interact with him at so yeah yeah so they're still doing it much in the same way now but um yeah i imagine that it doesn't take nearly as long to to shoot these i don't know I, that maybe guardians took many many months but I, I doubt it took seven and a half that's i mean and then yeah. they said they they spent a whole nother month beyond that doing some like extra scenes or like some some visual effects stuff where so i mean for the almost the better part of a year they were making this movie uh and then of course all the post-production so um they had like they shot the live action first and then they sent the still the the frames to the animators to animate one frame at a time like over, over like literally like layered on top over the top of um the thing so yeah, I'm just amazed that they were actually able to pull it off like this in 1988. But in 2020, with all the we're spoiled with all the CGI. It shows you how much technology has advanced. That I look at this movie now and go, uh, okay, yeah, we could do a lot better now. Because <laughs> at yeah. the time, I, 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 I literally thought like they'll never make a movie ever look this good, mm -hmm. you know. And 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 when we say that they could do a lot better, it's that they can do more they did a great job for oh, yeah. what they had available for them at that time. Yeah. The tools are better now, so they could do more with it. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's kind of talk about the, the plot. Um, so basically it's, it's Roger rabbit. He's this, um, cartoon actor. Um, you know, it's not even a character. He's an actual actor that's playing this role on this, on this show. And he, um is despondent he thinks his wife is is cheating on him um you know jessica rabbit is this you haven't seen this character you just assume it's just another rabbit just like he is and um uh sorry wife they're married no they're married yeah, yeah. they are they are married so his wife is he you know a newspaper article comes out and and it's just you know assumes that that she's been cheating on him recently and he's obviously despondent about that and so at first you you meet this um uh oh what was his name i lost it um the guy that hires him is like the 
the RK Maroon. Maroon, yeah, he's Maroon Studios. He's like mm-hmm. the head of like the studios that Roger works for. He he's basically like a a producer for all these television shows, including the Baby Herman show. And he, uh, you think he's hiring. Uh, him to take pictures of him to help out. He, he said, do, do me a favor. Like, let's help out Roger. You know, he needs help. And so he's like, I'll, I'll pay you to, um, to take pictures of his wife, you know, doing, you know, adult stuff. And, uh, and, it, and if you can, you know, kind of prove that this is going on, at least it'll help Roger move on. Cause I need him to be like in his top working condition, act, you know, acting in every scene and stuff like that. So that's kind of how it starts. And then it kind of gets crazy from there. But, um, we find out pretty early that Mr. Valiant like hates tunes. And at first, like he, you almost think like, Oh, he's not going to take the job, but then he's like, Hey, I need some money. And so he kind of does it against his own will. And then we find out later that the reason why he hates tunes is his brother was killed by a tune. And they actually go into a lot more detail as, as the movie progresses. I thought that they would kind of like, I, I didn't remember much from this movie. I didn't remember the finer details. I remembered some of the, like mm-hmm. the, the visual effects, obviously, and some of the, the, the iconic scenes in the movie, but I didn't remember like the actual plot of the movie very well. And so I thought like, Oh, I'm, I'm sure they'll mention that his brother was killed at some point, but they probably won't like go into like really great detail, but they actually kind of bring back, bring it back again and again. And there's actually like a really serious scene with him and Roger where he kind of just outlines the, how the whole thing went down. They went into a lot of detail about that, that backstory, which I thought that was really good. That. And at one point, um, Eddie borrows, the camera to take some pictures and on that roll of film were pictures of him and his brother. Oh yeah. Uh, so you, you, you realize that there's, you, you visually see the brother, you, you see what they meant to each other and you can see why he's been so despondent for this period of time, uh, over the loss of his brother. Yeah. Yeah. I thought all that stuff was actually really good, a uh, good character uh, development, I think for him. Um, he's obviously gone crazy with drinking. It, everyone knows that he basically is a slave to the bottle um, at this point um, because of his brother. And, you know, the door says valiance and valiance, but he tells Roger, you know, it's not that anymore. My brother's gone. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously very depressed just all the time. Um, he gets to the club and, um, and then I was, as I'm watching this, I was reminded why my parents did not let me see this movie <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, there's a, there's no nudity in the, in the movie. It's not, it's not like a, well, <laughs> it's pretty close. Uh, there's a lot well, of, <laughs> uh, there, there was controversy about that. Oh, really? Because Disney animators are known for putting things into, yeah the scenes that can only be seen when it's played at a very slow speed. Right. <laughs> and if you had the laser disc, you could see things. Oh, in this movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. I, yeah. I, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. If, if you're just watching it off Disney plus, or if you're watching it on the big screen, you never saw it. But if, yeah. if you had the technology tools to slow down the movie, you could see things. How funny. That's uh, that seems right in line with a lot of the controversy from other movies at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, there's obviously a lot of cleavage. Uh, Jessica turns out Jessica Rabbit is not a rabbit. Uh, she's not just a woman, but she's like the woman that every guy craves. Like she, you know, it's it's constant cleavage. And uh, I mean, there's scenes where she just flat up like just presses her chest right up against him, and like they they make no 
there's no uh no bones about like just making this um a very sexy character like there's no way other way to put it and um i i'm i'm actually surprised i know i saw this when i was pr- fairly young i mean i'm sure some of my friends saw this when they were like seven and eight year olds eight year olds but i was probably 12 or 13 when i saw it and i remember even when i was like 12 or 13 going like i probably shouldn't be watching this right now because my mm-hmm. parents were were pretty strict um but um yeah it's when we when you get to that scene in this movie you're just like wow okay this is the movie this is the movie that this thing is trying to be it's not your typical disney movie <laughs> there there is a generation of men out there who hit puberty when they first saw princess leia wearing the metal bikini and then there's a generation of men out there who hit puberty when they first saw jessica rabbit yeah so. i'm I'm kind of in both of those, but I feel like I saw Roger Rabbit first, maybe. Um, yeah, that's so. Yeah, that's so funny. Both of those movies came out pretty close to get together too. Um, but yeah, um, boy, uh, yeah, it's it's and it doesn't hold back. Like it, I thought, like oh, okay, they're gonna do this really salacious scene at the beginning of the film, and then uh, they'll kind of tone down her character. Nope, they never do. Like th- for the rest of the movie, she's pretty. She's pretty. Uh, <laughs> just and, and I think I that's how how Disney was able to get away with it is that yeah it's it's the characters that were created specifically for the movie that are a little bit more risque, but the the established characters, your Mickey, Butts Binding, Donald, they're not as pushing the limits like the other the new characters are. Yeah, and that I that was clearly Disney trying to protect their properties, protect Warner Brothers properties. Um, I know there's a little bit of controversy with one of the lines that Donald Duck says uh, during the dueling pianos bit that a lot of people misheard a word that he said and thought that he was um, saying something he shouldn't, but the actual dialogue was perfectly clean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I do love that they um, treat the characters with with the utmost care, and I'm sure that was in their contract that they do that. But like um, that, they the characters for the most part don't do anything that's out of character for who they are. Like you see Goofy on mm-hmm. screen doing Goofy things, you see Mickey on screen doing Mickey things. Um, they they do create a lot of characters. It's not just Roger and Jessica. Like there are a lot of characters in this movie that are are not real. Like um, a lot of them don't have speaking lines, like the shoes and stuff like that. But like the car, yeah. yeah. The uh, yeah. was it Benny? Benny the cab. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's and and they make them like there's the gorilla. Like when this massive gorilla that is like the bouncer for the club when Valiant first goes to it, and he like straight up like cusses at him and stuff like that. They can get away with some of that with these made yeah. up characters. They can, obviously are not going to get away with that on the other. But I liked the juxtaposition of um, the silly, like there are characters that are doing just full on like visual slapstick comedy and w- mixed with the characters that are all serious all the time. And even like trying to like arouse even in, in some ways, like it was mm-hmm. neat to see um, all, all forms of animation in this movie and not just like only in like one note. So, um, so that was cool. Um, he takes pictures of her. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I did remember the um, patty cake um, mm-hmm. phrase. And I remember laughing at that a lot when I was a kid. Um, Cause I was old. I was old enough to know like, you know what they were insinuating, but um, like, like you know you don't see it's off screen all you see is valiant with his camera and he's snapping pictures but you can hear audibly what's going on in the bedroom 
or this room or whatever and and uh and he's he sounds like he's like getting agitated he's like patty cake patty cake patty cake like over and over again and just like oh my gosh and then um they it's revealed later like in the next scene or whatever that he's actually he's actually going to show him the pictures i was like oh no like are we going to see something like i shouldn't watch or whatever <laughs> as a kid and it's like oh they were just literally playing patty cake <laughs> yeah yeah and but like but roger is still devastated <laughs> like they literally just all they're doing is just slapping their hands together not patty <laughs> <Yeah>. cake <laughs> one of the things and i just to jump in the part that i think really helped sell jessica rabbit is that they had kathleen turner do her voice okay I, and I'm, that that was completely uncredited yeah i did read that it was uncredited um i school me on who kathleen turner is i probably know her from something um, um she was in a lot of movies throughout the 80s um if you <laughs> if you ever watched friends for any length of time she played chandler's dad okay on the show uh she's got a very husky sexual sounding voice okay and that really helped complete the complete the jessica rabbit picture right right that's so funny that she's she had been in movies even before this movie. i'm looking her up now she had been in like romancing the stone and mm-hmm. body heats um a jewel of the nile like several movies and the fact that they didn't even credit her for the voice is uh, a little strange well it part of that is at that time voiceover work wasn't considered something that actors do i mean you, yeah. it used to be that actors were either movie actors or they were or they were television actors you didn't cross over and then once you started seeing the crosser well you don't do cartoon work you don't do voiceover work and now everyone does voiceover work and it's just it I think I think having her uncredited, I mean, she obviously got paid for the movie and all that, but I think that was just to give an element of surprise when she did appear on the screen. Yeah. And so you're seeing her and you're visually trying to, I know that voice, who is that voice? And right. you're trying to, to picture it in your head. And once you, once you make that connection, you start, you see the visuals of, of Kathleen Turner and you're like sold on it. So. Yeah. I um yeah I I didn't I didn't recognize the voice I, I think I I legit maybe haven't seen her in anything but um, she was a pretty fairly prominent actress back in the eighties mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people probably were as as they were watching this in the theater going like I I feel like that's Kathleen Turner and then like they never credited her at the end of the movie mm-hmm. um, Charles Fleischer is credited at the end of the movie yeah. but he's obviously um, the main character of the movie uh, from a cartoon perspective and then also voiced Benny the cab. Um, so like he had a lot of voice work in the movie, mm-hmm. not just with Roger. So yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense. And you're right. It was a different time um, for voice actors. They just weren't, they weren't as uh, heralded, I guess, as they are now. Um, so yeah, he, he uh, shows Roger the pictures. He gets his carrot, <laughs> gets the other 50 bucks of the hundred bucks that he was owed. And, he basically says, okay, my, my work here is done. I'm, I'm out of here. You know, sorry, Roger, I'm going on with my life. Um, but then quickly things turn on a dime and, uh, we find out that, um, uh, Marvin Acme, the, the guy that was in the photos that was doing the patty cake with, with Jessica is dead. And he kind of gets pulled back into this whole, um, uh, charade of of you know what's what's really going on here um so at first they think 
Jessica killed him. Um, and I think that's because like to cover up the affair or something like that. I can't remember the yeah. details of that. Um, there's a lot of misdirection in the movie. Like um, the, the audience truly believes that she's the killer um, at the beginning. Cause she's, she's very shadowy and you don't really know what, what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're interviewing her. It's like clearly she, she's the jilted lover. Like this is an open shot case. Then you, then at, at, at one point you think that um, uh, I keep, Maroon, Arcane Maroon is the killer. Mm-hmm. Then it turns out he's not the killer either. Like the 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 movie keeps leading you down paths that are dead ends, and then eventually at the very end you finally find out who killed him. So as a as a good murder mystery should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a good murder mystery should present everyone as a possible suspect. Yeah. And so you follow each character until you prove that they're not the guilty one, and then you move to the next most likely one. Yeah. It's it um it's very I mean at this stage we we get to meet Judge Doom who is obviously the the bad guy but they don't even try to hide the fact that he's the bad guy in this movie from the very first scene it's Christopher Lloyd who um had done a little bit of bad guy work um I think previous to this movie but like for the most part was like a good guy in most of the stuff that he was in this is a Robert uh, Zemeckis movie by the way so mm-hmm. like he yeah. obviously had worked with Robert Zemeckis before on the Back to the Future yeah. At that point, it was just Back to the Future. It it hadn't yeah. become a trilogy <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Um, Christopher Lloyd had also played um, the Klingon Cruise in Star Trek Three. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so he, a lot of what he did in this movie harkened back to what he did in the Star Trek movie in terms of playing the more villainous character, playing the the heavy handed bad guy. And he was also obviously wearing a lot of makeup prosthetics throughout that. Yeah. Um, I I love Christopher Lloyd in this movie. Oh, I, he's so good. I I read some of the other people that were considered for it, and I can't see anyone doing a better job than Christopher Lloyd did. Yeah, I remember again watching this at, at an early age and being terrified of him. Like I, mm-hmm. I was legit scared every time that he was on screen. Um, cause I, he just always has that look in his eye where he's going to do something really nasty. And it, he does in this very first scene that you see, um, they, someone knocks it over a box, a, a crate it's in this like movie set, uh, like storage room. It's like a warehouse and, mm-hmm. and they come back to the warehouse at the end of the movie too. But like they, uh, someone opens or knocks over this crate or whatever. And a bunch of like animated shoes come out and they're like anthropomorphic shoes. Like they're like, bouncing around and talking and uh, like cheaping, you know, making little cheapy noise and he kills one of them. Like, like, and no one like says boo about it. Like he just, he pulls up one of the shoes and, and that's when we learn about dip. He dips the shoe in this like vat of like goo. Basically he's like a chemical, it's some kind of acetone to destroy the, the tune makeup. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's establishes like, this is the way that you can eradicate tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, you know, we find out later they can die, but like, this is the way to like permanently erase them from the world. And so he like erases one of the shoes, like right in front of the law enforcement, right in front of everybody. And it's pretty firmly established. Like this guy can do whatever he wants. Like he has carte blanche access to he's judge, jury and executioner over the tunes and, um, has like this jurisdiction over like their, part of town and obviously at you know spoiler but like at the end we find out like he wants to take over toontown and like destroy it but like he 
that was, uh, I think, what was the scariest part about his character to me when I was watching this as a kid is like, that guy can do whatever he wants. If he can kill whoever he wants. He can um, c- commit any crime that he wants. No one's going to stop him. So, yeah. yeah, I really like his character a lot. Um, so, yeah, uh, he actually wants Roger for the, the murder. Obviously, that's never an option. I, I think, you know, even as I think children that watch this could say, okay, yeah, Roger, Roger obviously couldn't, couldn't, um, couldn't do something like that. Um, but he, he's trying to get Roger for it. Um, then there's a scene with baby Herman. So he like, he goes back to the office Valiant goes back to his office and, uh, baby Herman's, you know, like, Hey, you know, he, Roger didn't kill, um, a- Acme, you know, this, that's not, or, uh, that's not something he would do. And then we're introduced to the idea of this will and the, the will and Testament kind of becomes the main, mcguffin for the movie like it's it's the thing that everyone's after um and if 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 the bad guys get it first then all is lost if the good guys get it first then all is won and i like it it keeps coming out throughout the rest of the movie like we have to find that will we have to find that will the movie kind of almost ends and no one's found the will at the very end of the movie and then they they finally reveal it at the very at the very final scene but um Mm -hmm. but it is definitely the the central part of it's not revealed at this time that that is the reason for the murder and, and all the mystery is all about like control of, of Toontown and control of this will, but it's, you know that it's important and it seems to be involved with all the shenanigans. Yeah. You find out that, you know, the, the purpose of the will is to determine who takes over the studio, who controls more importantly, the land that the studio sits on. Yeah, and that that's basically the the whole summary of it. That um, the the freeway system is coming to California, and they want that spot to be a, a key component of it. So they want to get their their hands on control of that studio to to take it apart and take over the land. Yeah. Um, then we get. Um... There are definitely some scenes in this movie that are, um, uh, like repose, like like moments of repose away from the the action, the the exposition of the movie. Like, let's just forget about the plot for a little bit and just do some crazy antics. And then that, that's the next thing we get is, um, Valiant's just like, I gotta sleep on this and whatever. And he pulls the the bed down from the wall and who's in the bed but Roger Rabbit. And this is the stuff that I I really ate up as a kid. Like coming to this movie as an adult, yeah. I'm much more interested in the plot of like who you know who done it and all this kind of stuff. But when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I was just like, I loved watching. Roger like just run around the room like crazy and uh, handcuff himself to Eddie Valiant and then the weasels come in and and he's like oh I gotta hide Roger but he's handcuffed to me so I'll just I'll throw him underneath the the water <laughs> under the water in the sink and how he mm-hmm. keeps popping his head up for air and there's a lot of like visual comedy in this it's I think still really funny today and and then later on when Roger slips his hand out of the handcuff <laughs> and Eddie's like you could have done that this whole time. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> that is so great. That that movie that that moment lands every single time I watch this movie because mm-hmm. it is so so perfect for Roger to do that. Like it's it's the most fitting thing with his character that it doesn't occur to him that that like he can get out at any time and and then when, even when he does it he's like of course I can get out of it. Like he holds both both things in in his mind at the same brain. It is the same brain at the same time and it mm-hmm. makes perfect sense to him. Yeah, it. <laughs> I'm I'm really torn because Bob Haskins wasn't the first choice for the, the role of Eddie. Yeah, but 
in in those scenes like that where it's just him and Roger, I think he's the perfect choice for that role. Yeah. Um, I know that they really want to get Bill Murray to play that role. Mm. And Bill is just notoriously hard to get a hold of at times. And he found out after the decision had been made, he would have taken that that movie role if he had been given the chance. Yeah. Uh, but he just missed out on the opportunity. But, you know, those scenes with with Roger and Eddie, Bob Haskins is just perfect for that. Yeah. I I'm not I don't know that I would say that Bill Murray would have been a bad choice. I think he actually could have been just fine. The, the, the problem with 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 Valiant is until the end of the movie, he has to play the straight man. Like it, so mm-hmm. you have to you have to force Bill Murray like don't be funny. Like that this is not your role in this movie. Like you are you are the straight man. I know you're usually the funny man in all the movies that you play, but not yeah. in this one. You're the straight man. Um, so ringing him in, I think, would have been the the challenge there. But mm-hmm. so. Um, and then I, one of my, one of the most iconic lines from this movie, there are a lot of really quotable things in the, in the film that we'll get to, I'm sure. But, um, I, 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 I've seen this movie. I hadn't even seen this movie in like 20 years when I watched it this week. And I still, every time like, like I'm at work and people start laughing about something, I always want to quote this movie. And I don't know why this keeps coming back up in my brain 20 years late after not seeing it for 20 years. But I always want to say, uh, stop that laughing. You know what happens when you can't stop laughing. (laughs) 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 Um, When everyone's just like uncontrollably laughing in the office, I just want to say that. And I know no one will get the reference except for me, unless people also grew up on this movie. But um, yeah, this is the first time that we see it. And it actually comes back a couple other times. And then, you know... um, we find out obviously later, and I think they may maybe even mention it here, but um, that like they can like tunes can literally die from laughing, which I think mm-hmm. is so awesome. Like that's such a great premise that tunes that are their whole job. And Roger says this in the movie: my whole job is to make people laugh. Like that. That's why I exist is to make people laugh. Um, that they the same people that make other people laugh. That's their job. Cannot laugh. Like they're not supposed to laugh ever. And if they laugh too much they can actually literally die from it um die from mm-hmm. laughter so um i think that's a really like ingenious thing to put into the the world um yeah they they get to the bar he gets out of the cuffs um you know valiant obviously saw saws his cuff on on it uh, off of himself and um they're talking about the will and how they have to have to get their hands on it um that they feel like he was killed because of the will that kind of thing um uh Let's see. Then I think it's this is the bar scene. Yeah, the, I think the next thing that happens is the bar scene. Uh, just uh, let's see. Jessica comes to Valiant. R.K. Maroon. Oh, it's revealed that R.K. Maroon made her pose for those pictures so that that he could take down Marvin Acme. So like it's this is where we start to turn on Jessica a little bit where we start to realize, okay, she's she's a pawn in this. Like she 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 believes that she was. Um, like she maroon came to her and said i want you to pose for these pictures like i've already set up uh valiant to come and and find you mm-hmm. so so just be aware he's coming for you and i want you to on purpose know that he's taking pictures of you and just let him do it because it's the way to to save the studio like it, to save roger to save you like you know to to save toontown like this is for the good um of everything so um she's not exactly sure why but she just goes with it so um, and then we get the the famous bar scene. I think this is one of the most iconic scenes in the movie. The um, the dip, the shave and a haircut, 
that basically Doom comes in is is like I know he's here. Like I'm he's still trying to find Rob, Robert Roger. He's trying to frame him or not frame him. He's trying to to pin him for the murder. Um, obviously he knows he's at the heart of the murder, but like uh, he obviously wants to blame all this on Roger, and um, uh, is like. He, he's like, I know he's here. And, and <laughs> there's a really funny part where like, um, uh, Roger's like, um, he's like, you know, so who did you tell that, that you were coming here to the bar or whatever? He's like, Oh, nobody. Um, just, you know, I had the flower man, the baker. And the, <laughs> he's like, you told everyone in town that you were coming here. What mm-hmm. you idiot. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I even told the guy at the bar. He's like, but he wouldn't rat me out. And, and then, uh, doom's like, I'll give you $5,000 if you tell me where Roger is. And he's just like, Oh, I could tell you where Roger is. And, and Valiant's like, I told you, but then he doesn't rat him out. He like his, he, he does like the Harvey thing, which I think is a reference to, um, the, is it called Harvey and me or something? The play. Okay. The play Harvey. Yeah. 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 Um, so he does that kind of bit, whatever. And obviously just to kind of joke around with doom. And then, um, and then like, I think he hears a noise, Roger makes a noise or something like that. And he has a feeling that he's in the back room. So. Yeah. And does the, he, no tune can resist the shave <laughs> and the haircut two bits. And so he's kind of walking around the room and doing the, <laughs> just waiting for the tune oh. to do the final. <laughs> two bits. And, and like, yeah. I love that Valiant is, is like, He's like, oh, come on, that's not going to work. And then he looks over at Roger, and Roger's flipping out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I laugh so hard every time I see that because, like, Roger, like, he's doing, you know, that, 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 that. And, and you think Roger's just like, you know, oh, he's probably in the back, background. He's like, oh, I, you know, I kind of want to go out there, whatever. But he's like literally exploding inside. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he can't control himself. He's shaking. He's like, in, and then eventually he just erupts and just busts right through the, the wall. So um, I love that. I, I love that that the the tunes are so predictable like like doom is just like it, he, it's gonna be so easy to get roger to come out <laughs> all i have to do is, mm-hmm. is shave in a haircut and he'll be yeah. here so that's a great scene um so uh let's see i think the next scene is oh they have to escape so that, that's actually when we meet benny the cab they benny is like in the back of a uh police vehicle or something yeah or, like they had arrested yeah. him, I think mm-hmm. uh, it's not like fully explained, but that's kind of what it appears to be. And then Benny, like they, they break Benny, the cab out of the back of this vehicle, climbing him. And actually like, he becomes like the escape vehicle to get them out of there. Um, Oh, and then, and we skipped over the, 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 the plate. That's, this is the plate crashing scene in the, in the bar mm-hmm. where he's like being really crazy. And there's like, obviously plate smash plates all over the floor. And that kind of tips uh, doom off as well. Um, there's a big fight scene as well that he had, um, Valiant actually like proves that he's kind of like good in a fight and like takes down all the weasels in the room, uh, spill, you know, overturns the dip over, over the floor, which scatters them. Um, they run out, they get in Benny the cabin, hightail it out of there. So that's actually kind of a cool action sequence there. Um, the, the next scene is the movie theater scene, which I really love. Um, the, there's a lot of nuance to like that, like, Roger Rabbit is a real person that loves movies and like, he's actually watching a film on yeah. on screen and like super into it. And then they have this serious heart to heart there in the theater. It, it, it's amazing how much character they put into the character of Roger Rabbit. Yeah. I mean, you, by the, when the movie starts, you just view him as a, as a cartoon character, but 
by the end of the movie, you're not thinking of him as a cartoon character, just as a character. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't expect that either uh, going into it this, this last time too. Again, I forgot the finer points of the movie. And when you first see him, you're just like, okay, this is just this silly little dude, you know, that, that is basically an actor for cartoon uh, TV shows. But then by the end, you're just like, no, I like, I really feel for this guy. Like he's really gotten a bad rap, a bad rap or bad deal here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny how, how you can, they can make you feel for a non-human character like that. So absolutely. Um, they go to Maroon Studios next. Um, this is like the big confession scene where uh, Maroon says, okay, yes, you're right. Um, I was going to sell the studio, um, but you, you got me all wrong. I didn't do the murder. Um, you know, Acme wouldn't sell. I tried to get him to sell, but he wouldn't. Um, he uh, was basically, it's revealed here that he was basically blackmailing Acme. So Maroon wasn't a, a good dude, but he also wasn't a murderer either. And um, he was trying to get, he's basically just kind of trying to buy up um, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's Cl- Cloverleaf that's trying to buy up, but like he was going to sell his studio to Cloverleaf. He was going to try to get Acme to sell Toontown and kind of orchestrate this whole deal where he would end up c- coming a- away a millionaire and mm-hmm. just get out of the movie business. But uh, Acme wouldn't follow suit. He he had honor and all this kind of stuff, and and he couldn't do it. But he's like, but I didn't kill him. Like that's you know that's not in me to do that. And so now you're as the audience, you're like, okay, so. Jessica's not the killer. Maroon's not the killer. Like who's left? Like who, who could have done this? It's not Roger. So now we start to go like, okay, what, what is really going on here? Um, uh, Jessica shows up and, and it's almost like you th- start to think she's the killer again because there's a gun in the window, you know, typical, like um, it's almost um, um trying to think like 1940s kind of murder uh type of thing hitchcock is what i was thinking kind of hitchcockian like you know a a gun kind of comes out from like (laughs) the curtain and shoots maroon and kills him and then you see jessica running away so you're like okay maybe she is the killer like i don't know what's going on with that um but she runs she runs away she also knocks out roger um and throws him in a trunk of a car Mm -hmm. that doesn't look good um and so yeah there's some definitely some some misdirection here too yeah, Eddie catches up and he gets Jessica to, to to confess everything, and they they start realizing that she's not the one, and it, you're you're running out of potential candidates as to who it can be because in a in a true murder mystery, everyone's introduced in the first act, so you know here's your list of suspects. Who could it be? Who could it be? Yeah. This is where the movie really flips. So Jessica goes takes off running and and Valiant is chasing after her. He gets in, um, uh, he gets in the car. Ben, is it Benny the cab or the car? I can't remember. And basically follows her and ends up in Toontown. And this is that. So up until this point, it's been live action, live action, live action. And then just animated characters just kind of spritzed onto the, onto the screen. Now, Eddie Valen is the only live action character. It's, it's the entire screen is filled with animation. Um, So I, and that was something when I first watched this and, and kind of, I I remember that he went to Toontown, but I couldn't remember what it looked like. And I, I was even amazed this time. I was like, wow, they, they went somewhere. I didn't think they were going to go. I I really truly thought that the entire movie was going to be live action camera work and then just animators on top. But this is the, the point where, no, the animators have full reign of the screen and they're just inserting a live action character on top of that. It, it really reminded reminds the viewer of like Mary Poppins, the scene where yeah, yeah. 
um, they're they're dancing alongside all the other cartoon characters against the animated backdrop and everything. Uh, but yeah, you, you Toontown's that magical world where everything's animated and it's always sunny and no shadows and birds are chirping and flying flowers blooming. I mean, it's, it's like <laughs> a perfect oasis in animation. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great how like, it's literally only a district of, I think it's I think this place takes place in Chicago. I I may be making that part up, but Hollywood. Oh, oh, it's all in Hollywood. Oh, of course it's in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, so like it's it's literally just like like you know you, you get the impression it's like a you know fifteen block by fifteen block like area of of mm-hmm. Hollywood, Los Angeles, and and yet like there's no like Hollywood Hills anymore. It's it's you enter this space and like the whole like outside world disappears. It's like, it's almost like this, this like cone, this like barrier, like where all you see is like a fake sun and fake clouds and, and like animated buildings. It's like walking through into the TARDIS on Dr. Who. It's it's (laughs) so much larger and different on the inside than it appears on the outside. Yeah. I loved the Sprite when I was a kid. I, um, all the, just the silly stuff. Like you can tell like Valiant definitely doesn't want to be here. <laughs> he's just not, he's not uh, enthused at all by being around, even though he was got, got his, he and his brother got his start as like the tune detectives. Like they would solve mm-hmm. any tune crime. He doesn't want to be here right now. And a lot of that obviously is jadedness because of his brother's death, but that, and he's a character that, at all points, he wants to be in control. And when, the, <laughs> yeah. and when he's in Toontown, he has no control. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's total zaniness the entire time. At, at one point he ends up on the top of a, a building and then like exits out a door, but there's no floor. And then he like, mm-hmm. like he does the, the uh, Looney Tunes thing where he like, you don't fall until you look down. <laughs> he looks yeah. down and then plummets down to the, the street and of course survives. <laughs> you know? and, and that's where we get bugs and Mickey making their appearance that that's they're right. falling alongside them and making the, the critical commentary about the, the laws of physics and <laughs> falling and wish you had a parachute, don't you? And things like that. I should, I should have gone back and watched the trailer, like the, the 1988 trailer for this movie. I, mm-hmm. I know they, they showed scenes like this in the trailer because I wanted to see this movie so bad when it first came out and because go ahead. I I was just going to say the trailers there on Disney plus you can, Oh, that's right. Watch it there. Yeah. I forgot about they added that. Um, but yeah, um, I, I know I wanted to see this really bad and I think my parents were smart enough to know that the movie wasn't that like, like I I thought I was going to, I want to see that movie mom because that's that's zany cartoon silliness and i want to watch cartoon zany silliness so take me to see that movie and they were like no like that's that's not what this movie is for the most part but i love that there is like eight minutes or maybe less it's like five to eight minutes of like just you know crazy off the wall stuff um in the movie and it's for this movie's for adults it's it's, it's pg-13 so like it's not for kids but there's stuff for kids in the movie. It's kind of kind of weird. They didn't make any toys for this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's not a Jessica Rabbit. Um, I mean, there probably is somewhere. <laughs> like the it, it wasn't sold in in uh, stores to kids for sure. Um. So yeah, the, it. I mean, the, there's not a whole lot that goes on here. Um. It's it, it's honestly this part's kind of jaw dropping to watch even now, and I think that's mainly because I think back then it was it holds up more in 2020 
to have a live action character on a animated canvas than it is the other way around. I think the animated, it just, everything looks really dark. Like the characters look really tinted dark um, in the live action scenes. So the most, the most of the movie. Um, but in this part, it actually looks really vivid and, and alive. Like you were describing uh, kind of the Mary yeah. Poppins thing. So that, that, that part actually looks really jaw dropping to me. Um, and they're interacting with each other, like the live action characters interacting mm-hmm. with objects in the, in the cartoon world, which is really cool. Um, and then I think it kind of races to the finish at that point for me. I, I don't remember a lot of other, um, details except, um, as they're escaping Toontown, he finds Benny Benny gets him out of Toontown and they, uh, doom is waiting for Benny the cab and like spills dip across the road Mm. and uh, Benny goes sailing through it and like completely tanks his tires, which I remember being terrified of as a kid. Yeah. Uh, Jessica had revealed that doom was the one behind it, that doom had done the killings. Um, and so that's when everything comes clean at that point that he's, he's wanting to buy up all this land because he owns cloverleaf and as the, sole proprietor he's going to inherit a lot of money when everything goes through and um it's it's just purely a a money and power grab by doom yeah it's it really ends up being a simple like a very simple reason for the murder um at the end but it was getting to the solution was anything but simple and correct uh, i i really like that too um, so then there's just kind of this big confrontation scene at the end. Um, this, this for me was the, you know, at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, when mm-hmm. their faces start melting, this yeah. was the, in the same way that I was, had nightmares. I, like I, my parents let me watch that scene probably bef- when it was too early for me in life for <laughs> me to watch it. And I had nightmares for weeks after that. I believe it or not, I watched this movie when I was a kid and I had nightmares about this, the, the things that happened in this final scene. Um, you were older when you came to this movie, so I'm sure it yeah. didn't give you nightmares, but it did give me nightmares when I was wa- watching this originally. Yeah. Uh, Jessica and, and Roger are tied up and, you know, typical, um, villain mode, like a, like a James Bond villain, you know, he's got this, uh, water pressure cannon that's going to shoot the dip out at them yeah. and it's slowly moving in close closing in on them and you gotta it keeps getting stopped or you know they lose they lose the pressure on the dip or <laughs> you know things like that keep keep the keep the spray away from jessica and roger and finally eddie Eddie realizes that he has to provide a distraction and does like a a vaudeville act yeah uh, where he's great. tap dancing, singing, and and he's causing the 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 lackeys of of doom to to start laughing, and that puts them in danger of the dip because they're not paying attention. And what what amazes us is you get to the end of the scene, and you realize that doom isn't a human. Yeah, that was. I didn't remember that. Go, this time watching it, I I, I had seen it probably. I, I, I honestly, this is probably like my maybe my fourth viewing of this movie. So I, mm-hmm. I'm no stranger to the film. But even even as again, it's been a couple decades since the, like the third viewing. So, but I I didn't even remember that he was a tune uh, until that was revealed at the end of the movie. I forgot yeah. about that. Um, and just that you know, 
it, it takes his villainy to a whole nother level that yeah. a tune would be willing to kill the other tunes like that. Yeah. So yeah, he gets steam literally steamrolled. That was one of the, the scenes that gave me nightmares when I was a kid, but um, where a, a steamroller literally rolls over his body and flattens mm-hmm. him. And, and like at that time you don't, you don't know he's a tune. So it's, it's actually like really viciously, um, violent like it's it's mm-hmm. it's a uh, it it rea- makes you react you're just like oh gross like uh, this human being just got flattened like a pancake but then he gets back up and he's like flattened and then like does a, a very cartoony thing where he like you know you know blow like he sticks his finger in a in some kind of a thing that like pumps oxygen into his the, body. the helium like, tank yeah. for like balloons <laughs> yeah and blows himself up so that he's like back to human form uh, well not only that but then it also causes his voice to raise up Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and right. And he gets that high pitched voice because of that. Yeah, and his his eyes pop out and like roll mm-hmm. around on the floor, which again is is very gross to watch. Um, and then and then it's revealed that he's got the red eyes, and obviously the other big reveal here is not only is he a tune, but he's the one that killed Valiant's brother. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the I love the the silliness from this is the time where he gets to break out of the straight man role and actually kind of be silly and slapstick. He's, you know, he's hurting himself on purpose to make the weasels laugh. The weasels one by one start dying, like in a very cartoony way. They're like angel, like uh, character, like, you know, separates from their body and like flies into the air and he's taking them out one by one. Um, but then, and just when you think it's about to be over, like he, fl- you know, he flattens doom and he's like, okay, this is, that's it. Like he killed doom or whatever. He bounces back and then there's more fighting. It's actually a kind of a long scene that this, yeah. this sequence takes like the last 10 minutes of the movie, probably um, in a row. There's a singing sword part where Frank, it's literally Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Like his voice um, is singing on this uh, like animated sword and he's trying to fight, um, you know, that the sword doesn't do what he wants it to do. Very cartoony. Like um, see what else happens. Um there's a blade, that, the, a blade, a really cool blade arm that that Doom uh, brandishes. Does he just do it out of his own arm? I, I I wasn't. I don't know that I was watching I, that frame. I I believe so. I I think that's part of his cartoon character. His his superpower because is like he, he because throughout the throughout the entire movie, the only flesh you see on Doom is on his face. Oh yeah. I mean he's yeah. always he's always wearing gloves, wearing the boots, long trench coat, a hat glasses so you only see a little bit of his face throughout the movie um and it's when the glove comes off and the 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 coat is opened up that you start to see the parts of him that are the cartoon character yeah yeah and it and now it makes a lot more sense why he like never put his own arm in the dip like he always had to put on that that rubber glove so that he didn't Mm -hmm. put his tune arm into the dip (laughs) so like it all it all like in this point it's like okay everything makes sense now everything's kind of coming together um you know everything's clear he um eventually dies by dip like the um uh, valiant takes like a a uh, mallet that has like a, it pops open and a boxing glove shoots out of it mm-hmm. um he punches punches him with that that was revealed at the beginning of the movie and then it comes back and then he ends up um there's like a bunch of dip on the floor. I, I think he spills it or like the machine is like leaking dip or maybe it's just the dip that's coming off the wall. I can't remember. But, um, and then he ends up going into the dip and it's like a wicked witch of the West. Like I'm, I'm melting, mm-hmm. I'm melting. And he kind of descends into the floor. And I remember that being that 
that visceral reaction of his like eyes popping out of his skull and screaming high pitched. And that scared the <laughs> crap out of me when I was a kid too. So there's a lot of like, this movie's not for kids. It feels like it is at times because you're watching, um, slapstick comedy from cartoon characters, but it is definitely very, um, very hard to watch at, at some points. It, it It's definitely aimed at adults, older kids. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I, I almost wish, and there's always been talk about doing like sequels or other, just even doing a straight three or five minute cartoon featuring these characters, just because I want to see them do more and do something else that all families can watch. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if the, they'll make a sequel, but it would be more family friendly. Um, you know, it's a PG sequel or whatever. Uh, given where Disney's at now, I think it would definitely be more family friendly. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Um, this this movie, even in 1988, by the way, was executive produced by Kathleen Kennedy, which is like mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Um, and she's been pretty vocal about how like she would love to produce a, a sequel film to it. Yeah. Um, now that it's on Disney Plus and people are more people are exposed to it, I almost wonder if that couldn't happen. Um, the movie's pretty much over at this point. They they sh- they were finally revealed the will at the very end, and it turns out they had it the entire time, the entire movie, which is so funny to me. Um, it was like a disappearing ink thing. He, mm-hmm. Roger writes a love letter, which we skipped to over Jessica. that. We skipped over that the funny the comedy of that part because he um, he <laughs> Roger's like explaining like that he went to the club that night um, to try to like. And and you think like okay you went to the club to kill Acme, but it turns out he didn't go to the club to kill Acme. And Valiant actually goes, um, you you were in a fit of fit of rage of being you know this cuckolded husband or whatever. And your first thing was I got to write a love poem. <laughs> and and Roger's like, of, yeah, of course that's what you do. <laughs> like why yeah. would you do anything else? <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> so, um, so he writes this love poem on this letter that they've had this entire time, but it turns out that the will was written in invisible ink. And then it was on the, like he used that paper to write his love poem. Um, yeah. so, so, uh, I think it's really funny at the end when they re- reveal that. Um, and then, and uh, the, the will reveals that the studio oh, yeah. was being left to the tunes themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so everything's happy ending. The tunes get to stay in Toontown. Um, you know, everything's kind of back to normal again. There's a couple of people dead, but other than that, <laughs> things kind of go back to the way that they were. Um, and uh, and Valiant's not a sourpuss anymore, as Robert sa- uh, Roger says. And um, uh, Valiant uh, proves it by giving a, a big uh, wet kiss on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i agree i i really like bob hoskins in this role um he you know the the super mario movie did not do well for him you know it came to mostly negative reviews but yeah um and that came i i checked earlier it did come out like five years after roger Rabbit. oh way later okay wow yeah yeah um so they were probably trying to strike gold with him again and that that movie definitely didn't work but um yeah he he really was like this perfect like very serious he's not a he's not like a fit guy like he's he's overweight like he has a super hairy back like he's he's just a normal guy like you and me like um Mm -hmm. and yet he is that makes him perfect for the role like he's this jaded detective that doesn't really want to talk to anyone in life let alone tunes and hates tunes and just wants to drink his his life away basically Mm -hmm. um and and i think he fits visually speaking he fits that role perfectly so 
yeah what a, yep. what a great character for this um uh just a couple like kind of wrap up thoughts on on uh on just the movie and just like the cultural effects of this movie uh so disneyland in california i think still maybe to this day unless they've removed it for star wars or something but um i know for like at least 30 years and maybe even still today had an area like an area of disneyland called toontown it's called mickey's Mm -hmm. toontown but it was basically even though it's called mickey's toontown it was based on in part by this movie um so even though the movie is for adults and not really for kids this area of, of toontown is is very like um roger rabbit inspired but also like family friendly yeah and i remember they opened that in i looked it up they opened it up in 91 so just a few years after this movie came out and that was my favorite area of disneyland like whenever we went (laughs) went to disneyland i asked my parents the first place i wanted to go was straight to toontown which was in the back of the it was literally as (laughs) as far away as you could from the front doors yeah um all the way in the back of the park but um, we loved going to Toontown and I think a lot of it was cause, um, I really liked this movie, but also I probably had seen it maybe by 91, uh, definitely by 92. And, um, I felt like I was in the movie when I was in Disneyland. It was, it was really cool. Um, uh, I love the, the, the partnership stuff that Donald Duck with Daffy Duck and you see Yosemite Sam, um, goofy My biscuits are burning yeah. <laughs> uh, porky pig does his that's all folks at the end of the movie mm-hmm. which is so perfect um yeah all, all that stuff is is really really good uh, then like some other things that we kind of skipped over like there are um we we talked about the mallet that turns into a boxing glove but there's mm-hmm. also like a brief there's stuff in there that's in, in there just for seconds but it's like super cool ideas like do you remember the black hole? Like there's like a, a, mm-hmm. a dot, like a black dot. That's basically the size of, of you can't, this is an audio podcast. You can see my hands, but I'm basically making the size of like a, um, like a small Frisbee maybe. Yeah. Um, and he like throw one of the human, the live action humans throws it up against the wall and then he sticks his hand right through it. Um, I thought that was really cool when I was a kid. Um, I liked, uh, Eddie had a tune gun. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot like about that. This, it's magical or sits cartoon bullets that were based on like Western characters. And, yeah. And whenever he was chasing and was firing the gun, the, the bullets would kind of do their own thing once they launched yeah. out of the gun. Yeah. He, he shot him and they, they kind of go halfway down the block. They're like, which way did he go? Like the bullets stop in midair and like t- start talking to each other. Which way did he go? Um, I love that stuff. Um, there's a lot of little things like that, especially when they get to Toontown, there's a lot of um, crazy things that happen, but um, yeah. And then I, I just, I wrote down, like, I just really love Roger's delivery. Like he, the, um, was it Charles, what's his name? Fleischer. Fleischer is so perfect. Like, I don't know what else he's done as far as voice acting. I'm sure he's done other things at, at the very least since this movie, maybe even before, but, um, Ro- Roger's I, not, it's not just the, I can't do it, but like the, the please or whatever. Like, it's not just that. It's just like the way he's like his accent and the way he's always excited all the time, even if he's talking about something really dire is so perfect. Like, I, I feel like he's a real person <laughs> and we talked about that a little bit already, but like his delivery is like, is darn well perfect in this movie. Um, I, I was really amazed by it, even watching it now. Yeah. Uh, Charles Fleischer. I mean, he's been in, plenty of other things he was in the original nightmare on elm street uh he was in back to the future 2 um he's done a lot of other voice acting work uh 
on the Buzz Lightyear show. He was on the Weird Al show. I mean, just you've you've probably seen him in other things and just not known that that was him. Yeah. He's one of those actors that just a lot of bit parts over the years, but I think Roger Rabbit his probably his most prominent role that he's ever done and unfortunately it was voice work so yeah there's not a face to attach to it <laughs> yeah yeah he he's he's just so good um in this he's he's textbook as far as i'm concerned as far as like voice acting um and um and then the last thing i wrote down was like i i, I do like the whole uh like laughter is the best medicine type of thing like um you know, Roger truly believes like his purpose in life is the most honorable purpose that there could possibly be is just to make people laugh. And he, in, in, in fact, he is trying to make Valiant laugh for the entire film. And he's just like, why aren't you laughing? This, you know, I'm trying to make you laugh, whatever. And he's like, you know, this isn't funny to me. Like I'm, I'm super serious and dour like all the time. And the, the uh, juxtaposition of, of those two characters, like super funny man and super like, you know, I hate the world, man, like having to work together to solve this mystery, I think is a really cool thing. And then to see Valiant turn it around at the very end and, be- and become jovial again, like to, oh, yeah. not that he's like overcome his brother's death, but he's like decided to move on and, you know, work with tunes again and lighten up and that kind of thing. So yeah, what a great movie. I, I, uh, there's yeah. some, some of the, like the jokes and, and, and the things that are supposed to be funny now didn't land as hard with me now that I'm watching it. Uh, I remember laughing a lot at things when I was a kid that I didn't find it as funny now, uh, you know, these days, but, um, I don't know that the movie's necessarily trying to make you laugh a lot of the time either. I, I think it really is trying to tell a serious story for the most part. Yeah. So I'm looking at the IMDB page here and apparently they, there is, a a sequel in pre-production. Oh, cool. And it, it's got a 2022, um, release date on it. So, but there's not a whole lot attached to it as far as uh, characters, voices, or uh, plot line. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Bob Hoskins can't can't be in it. Um, he, no. pa- he passed away. But I I almost wonder if this might be just a full blown animated film, start oh, yeah. to finish. I'd like to see it be some kind of a murder mystery, though. Like even even if it has to be. Um, you know, I, I, w- I want it to be more family friendly. Um, but I mean like Zootopia was a mystery. Like you could do like mm-hmm. solve the mystery and it'd be completely animated. So, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Well, I, I'm glad we talked about this movie mm-hmm. together, especially yeah. you, you were the one that said like, Hey, I, if you, if you do Roger Rabbit, definitely have me on. And yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad I did because I, um, obviously we, we both have a lot of history and a lot of love for this film. So. Absolutely. It, it was, I think everyone that your summer after high school graduation is probably <laughs> the, that's the summer that you hold on to the most later on in life. And that I just, that was part of my summer of hanging out with my friends before we all went off to college and went our separate ways until we had podcasts to get together around, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but no, it was, it was a feel good moment from that summer for me. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, we'd like to, I, I know we've been kind of going long, but if you have more time, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to Absolutely. just kind of do uh, some of our other segments real quick. We don't have yeah. to spend a ton of time on them, but, um, we like to talk about what else we've been watching on Disney plus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we haven't had you on for so long. I'm sure you've, 
there's a lot you can mention, but what have you been watching recently? Uh, well, I'm sadly, I haven't been watching as much on Disney plus as I've been watching elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know my daughter's been watching on all of the teen stuff yeah. on Disney plus. So, um, as far as other things that I've been watching, I've been catching up on star girl episodes from CW. Oh, okay. Um, my wife and I, uh, with the pandemic and everything, we've finally sat down to start watching Game of Thrones. We've never watched that. I've so, never seen it either, actually. Um, it was one of those that years ago, Lisa expressed some interest in it because she was always hearing her coworkers talk about it. But I don't think she really knew, realized how adult in nature the show was. Yeah, you, you want to talk uh, about adult. It's it's more adult than Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is nowhere will this ever be seen on a Disney platform. <laughs> um, so uh, we've been watching that a uh, couple episodes a night. So we're about halfway through that series and um, enjoying that. I, I've got it bookmarked. I know the new... Muppet show is out on Disney plus, yeah. but I haven't had a chance to watch any of that yet. I've been meaning to watch that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put that on my task list for this next week. I, I doubt we do a full episodes um, related to it unless we just mm -hmm. like on after all of its episodes have aired, there's only six episodes. Um, like yeah. after all six have aired, you know, kind of do like one big wrap up show the, of the whole mm -hmm. series. But, um, I, I, I kind of actually would like to watch that cause it, I love as a lot of people do. I, I love, I grew up with the Muppets and love the Muppets so much. And so when I, when I saw that they were doing original content, 2020 content for the Muppets on Disney plus, um, I got really excited and then I, I haven't tuned in for it yet. So uh, maybe I'll watch them all t at the same time. I don't even yeah. know how long they are. I, I, are they shorter? episodes have you looked into it i haven't i haven't either i haven't so, so. i that's something to, to check out i um that i mean if you're coming to disney plus for original content i think the muffets is kind of one of the big ones right now so yeah and that that's the i that's the hardest part i've got with disney plus is that yeah i i know they're trying to spread everything out and give people reasons to keep coming back day after day, week after week. I, I, but there's so much original content that's coming up that I want them to get out there soon, yeah. whether it's Mandalorian season two or Falcon and winter soldier. I mean, things like that's what I really want to see on Disney plus at this point. Yeah. I think they've already confirmed that WandaVision is not going to hit this year. Like the, they, they original painted for November, but I don't, I don't think it's going to hit it, it. That that's been pushed back because it's going to, the WandaVision series is supposed to lead into the second Doctor Strange movie. Okay. And because all the movies have been pushed back. Yep. Uh, but what a, ter what a terrible year to launch Disney Plus. I know it technically launched last year, November, but mm -hmm. it, essentially it is, is a 2020 offering. And wow, like no one in November w could see the future, that's read the tea leaves and know that COVID was happening, was gonna, was coming around the next bend. But um, wow, what a what a terrible year to launch a new um, streaming service. In, in one sense, it's good because people are watching streaming services like they've never before done, especially over the summer mm -hmm. and in the spring, people were just watching streaming for nonstop. But from a content perspective, it's hard to green light these things and get them pushed out where they are actually viewable. Everything's slowed down. Everything's been delayed. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it, I agree with you. Like from a, every month they're adding 
known content, like existing, like stuff from the Mm -hmm. 90s and the 2000s every month, every week, I feel like a new thing comes out from their catalog. But and that's great. They're keeping those guys working and keeping that stuff coming. But as far as like new content, you have to release new content. Netflix has learned this. Hulu's learned this. You have to have Amazon. I mean, you have to release new content that you you produce to keep people subscribed. And that's the thing that's really hard to do in 2020. (laughs) So... It's definitely challenging. I mean, so much of the stuff was in production and maybe they hadn't finished the complete seasons or whatever. So they don't want to release a partial season. It's just, it's challenging on so many fronts. And um, I mean, maybe, maybe we use the chance to watch other stuff that we never saw before. Like my wife and I watching game of Thrones. I mean, it, it, it's a chance to catch up with the other things. Yeah. The new, new content's coming. I, I, I'm hoping by the end of the year we get to see some of the new Marvel stuff, obviously new Star Wars stuff. And I've been enjoying do, doing all these episodes. We've been just kind of filling the time watching some of these great um, hits. We did Princess Bride last week. And mm-hmm. I, I, had, I hadn't seen, that was another movie I hadn't seen in 20 years. And I'm, I'm just, if nothing else, Disney Plus is a great place to just kind of relive, relive some of your nostalgia and some of the greatest movies of all time, I think, are on the service. Yeah. So. So let me ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because um, as many of you know, or who have heard me on this podcast before, I do a podcast with my um, childhood friends called Worst Comic Podcast Ever. And I think one of the things that we're going to be talking about this week is Mulan coming to Disney Plus. Yeah. And just what are your thoughts about and i know you're going to be doing a full-blown episode when it when it actually premieres but what are your thoughts about putting additional price point content on disney plus and if you think that the 30 dollars price is just right too low too high what what are you thinking yeah that's a great question we've we've talked a little bit about it um on a couple other episodes but not mm-hmm. um I, I i have even like more thoughts like newer thoughts yeah. even than what we put out there I, the more i think about it the, the more i i, I, I kind of said this already but i think i couched it before i i just right now i just plain think it's too high i, I think the amount of money that they're asking is too high now all of that's relative depending on where you live in the world. Like mm-hmm. um, here in Springfield, like you can legit see a matinee movie at the theater for like eight bucks and change. Like it's, it's not that much money. Um, I could take, if it released in theaters, not that I, I don't think Jordan would want to watch it because um, she just doesn't like live action. But if we were to take all three of us, my wife, me and our four year old to go see it um, matinee, it would be like 25 bucks um, for us to go see it. So, now I'm paying more money and I have to have a Disney plus subscription on top of that. I know some people that don't have a Disney plus subscription will sign up for a free seven day trial mm-hmm. for Disney plus. So they don't, they don't actually have to pay for the subscription um, unless they paid for it before, I guess, um, or got the trial before. But, um, but to, to attack on $30 on top of it and it's already coming to Disney plus, if you just wait for a couple months, like they haven't announced anything official, but like, I think most people are assuming that within two months or three months, like by the end of the year, you'll be able to just watch Mulan quote for free with your subscription. I think 30 is a lot to ask. Um, I, the, the other movies that have come out this earlier this year, like uh, trolls world tour or uh, Scoob, like some other movies that have come straight to video have been like 20 bucks. I think Scoob was 25, but you got yeah. to keep the movie forever. Like it's like a part of your library now. Mm-hmm. Um, where, whereas Mulan is not that you pay 30 bucks and then you, 
you kill your subscription, you can can't watch it after that. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think it's I, high. I'm 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 torn. I I personally I do think thirty is too high for where we're at in the country, mm-hmm. but I think you know East Coast West Coast thirty is going to be very cheap yeah. compared to what it would cost to take a family of four or five yeah. to go see the movie and or to see repeat viewings of it. If you were to buy the DVD, it's going to cost you 20 to 25 yeah. uh, just for that. So um, I, I see where they're coming up with the price point. I, I still think if it was under 30, it would be more readily accepted. Mm-hmm. So, and I also think, at this point, Disney's got nothing to lose. It's it's not going to put it out in theaters because they're never going to get the audience there for it. And if they can put Mulan out here and it does well, I think you're going to see other movies going there very quickly. I Black Widow will yeah I could easily see being put up that way. Um, you know the other movies that they've got in production like that that were slated for theatrical release they will put on disney plus and sell the rights you know sell that option as a way to try to recoup the box office numbers that they're not going to get yeah um and i mean that's the bottom line is they're in the business to make money and they're supposed they're in the business to take our money and it's it's up to us to decide how much of our money we're going to give them so. Yeah, it's it. We're in a different world now. Where like they could release the Mandalorian, which is arguably one of the greatest shows of all time. I, I love the Mandalorian season one, but like, um, but they didn't charge any extra for that. It was just like, pay, give us your seven bucks, you get to watch all of the Mandalorian. It's just included. Um, to now, it's like there is no alternative. You know, like, like the Mandalorian was a show that they wanted to get people to get on board with Disney Plus, and it worked. Yeah, but now it's this Disney plus for nothing. Like they literally just don't release the movie. If, if they don't put it on Disney plus, um, people could argue, we'll just put it on Disney plus for free. Like, and that will get people to do your subscription, but they spent over $200 million on the movie. I think like I, they're not yeah. going to recoup that. Yeah. I mean, just putting it up on Disney plus is not going to help them return their, their investment back on that. So, yeah. Yeah. um, and I they're not going to, they're not going to make it available on, any of the other digital download platforms because they want to keep as much of that money as they can. Sure. Yeah. They they put it on Apple or whatever the Apple takes their cut. Yeah, exactly. Or put it on voodoo or where Amazon, you know, it's such a competition now that they want to keep as much of that money to themselves and right or wrong. I mean, that's their, that's their, that's their option. Yeah. When, when I, when I saw the news article come through, I was like, Oh, they're going to do, they're going to do what, what trolls did and, and release it for 20 bucks. And then when I saw the $30 price point, I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Like I, I I felt like trolls kind of set the bar when they, when they released their movie of like, okay, these movies are 20 scoop essentially was 20, but you got like extra content. That's why they, they Mm -hmm. made you feel the $25 price point was worth it. But when they came in at even higher than both of those movies at 30, I was just like, I don't know about that. Like, and and the fact that you have to have a subscription to go with it is, I mean, it could cost some people $37 to to see this one movie. They're they're not interested in anything else on Disney plus. So, but if, again, if you were to take your family to see it, I mean, yes, a large matinee is an option, but you know, I, when Colin and I were discussing it, 
you know, for him to go take his family with five kids to to go see a movie. That's 60, I mean, 70, 80 bucks. Yeah. I mean, you're easily going to spend $30 just getting in the door. And that's even if you can get past the concession stand. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, it'll be it's, a toss up. It, 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 it's definitely an option. And I also think once you buy the movie and you've watched it, it gives you an enticement to keep your subscription. That's true. Knowing that you would lose it if you gave it up. So, yeah. you know, is it worth, is it worth it to keep paying the $7 a month to get access to this and maybe other future movies that they put out as a, as a add on item? Yeah. I do wonder about black widow, man. I, I think if this, I think this is the test bed. I, I think they're going to see, wait and see mm-hmm. how Mulan works or doesn't work, you know, if it's a success or not, um, count all their dollars and then go, Hey, it worked for Mulan. Let's do it with black widow. Or they're going to say, Hey, that was a, that was a great experiment and it, it didn't fly. And so, you know, let's just hold our cards with black widow. So the problem is, it's like, I mean, movie theaters are just now opening up here. I don't know if it's the same up, up where you are, but there's, um, at least one, if not two theaters that, that just opened this week in Springfield, they're yeah. not populated. They're, you know, the the theaters are half capacity or, you know, a, a third capacity, I think in, in one case. Mm-hmm. And so they're not making a lot of money, but they are slowly opening theaters. Um, by the time black, black widow comes out, the COVID situation could get much, much worse and they could cl- shut down again. So I don't know if, if the, if theaters are still open by the time black widow actually releases in, is it November that, that it's coming out? Uh, first Friday of November, I think, is when it's slated. So, I mean, the theaters right now are, you know, the Alamos and AMCs of the world are, are like, yeah, hopefully we're open and, and maybe even at full capacity by, by November. But I don't know that that's a sure thing at this point. Yeah. And and some of the movie studios are, are pushing some new theatrical material out to the theaters. Um, mm. Disney uh, is going to release New Mutants next week mm. to theaters, which... Disney at this point has no money invested in it. It was done on Fox's dime, sat in, sat in the can for a year until Disney bought up Fox. And, um, you know, maybe it's a good movie. Maybe it's a, a stinker. Uh, but until it gets out there and people can see and judge it, we won't know. Um, but I, I really think if Mulan does well, especially in the first week, I think Disney may make the move to put it, put black widow right up on disney plus alongside it and make it a a purchasable item yeah well i know we're, we're in on day our family's in on day one for Mulan. Yeah. uh even if i wasn't doing this podcast i, w- I definitely would pay the 30 bucks and so. and to me as a dad and i'm sure you're the same way i'm i'm frustrated because i i feel like we've missed out on the opportunity you know we've got strong female-led movies that we would love to our daughters to see yeah whether it's mulan whether it's black widow whether wonder woman 84 which is both has been pushed back now to october and i wouldn't be surprised if mulan does well i think you see wonder woman 84 go directly to the hbo mats hmm. platform interesting and be a be a add-on there yeah yeah what a weird world, man. I it's mm-hmm. yeah, we're doing the best we can <laughs> with what we yeah. got, and uh, Disney's definitely no stranger to that. So, um, 
the only thing I watched on Disney Plus in this last week, I, I, I keep meaning to get to the Muppets. I'll probably make that for next week. But um, I did watch Hamilton again. I, I don't know if you've watched <laughs> Hamilton on Disney Plus. Um, yeah. I watched it last night uh, for the second time. I watched it when it first released in July and then watched it again last night. I am bl- I'm still blown away by that thing. I, I cannot believe how perfectly crafted that thing is from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've been meaning to go back and I want to... I want to nature of my work. I'm, I'm working at a computer all day, all day, moving orders along. So I normally spend the day listening to podcasts. I want to at some point just have Hamilton playing in the background just to be able to listen to it. Not necessarily even watch it, just listen to it because it is so smartly written with the dialogue and the, and the music and the story that it tells. I I just want to hear it again yeah the the music the music is so catchy it's it's easily something you just listen in the car like it's not it it is a fantastic thing to to view the 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 dancing all the visual stuff that you get with mm -hmm. it is is all top of the line but the the music on its own stands alone which is amazing to me yeah definitely yeah i i watched it with my wife like i said and she had never seen it so um, I so I so dearly wanted to watch it with subtitles on, so I could catch every single word. As it's a a lot of the songs, about half of the songs are rapped, and is a lot of it's very fast. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's I think it's literally impossible to catch every word unless you have subtitles on. Um, and so I, having already seen it without subtitles, I was like, I'm going to turn subtitles on. But then when Jessica wanted to watch it with me, I was like, okay we probably shouldn't do that. I want, I wanted her to see it like anyone would see it on Broadway mm-hmm. without subtitles. And so, um, honestly, like I'll probably watch the third time. I know that sounds crazy. I'm not much of a musical guy, but, yeah. um, dude, like I will probably watch this movie three times in six months and the third time will be with <laughs> subtitles. So, um, I guess I'll talk about it again. Um, in October, November, I, I'm trying to s- spread them out so that I don't get like saturated on the, on the, the viewing of it. But, um, I was, Stunned, absolutely stunned. Um, even after the second, uh, that, that that musical, if you go see it with a friend's loved one or whatever, and you watch it, it is impossible not to talk about it for at least forty-five minutes after you see it. There's so yeah. much to unpack in that thing. Um, it's it's two hours and forty minutes of nonstop exposition. So um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, okay. Um, uh, before I, we go, I want to talk to you about your podcast, and I, I want yep. I want you to talk about the Facebook thing that you were telling me about before we hit the show. Um, yeah, uh, and then I'll I'll talk after we do that. I'll talk talk about what we're talking about next week on the show, and let you know how you can get a hold of the podcast. But um, tell the the folks at home maybe they haven't heard you on some of the previous episodes. Uh, what is um, the worst comic podcast ever? Okay, that sounds like a podcast uh, that nobody would want to listen to. It's the worst. Well, you know, here's the deal. <laughs> you, you've launched a couple of podcasts, so you know the challenge. <laughs> y- you decide you're going to do a podcast. All right what what are what's our theme? What's our catch? What's our name going to be? And so, my buddies and I, I've known these guys since 1982. So we've gone from middle school to middle age, <laughs> and. Uh, we sat around, we were going to do a comic book podcast. All right, well, what are we going to name it? So we came up with a lot of different names, you know, Hero Sandwich or um, Comic Talk, you know, and we had a lot of really good names and they were all in use. So, then, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, well, maybe we, no, we can't use that name. All right. <laughs> 
All right. So we went through a long list and worst comic podcast ever. It's a, it's a tip of the hat to the comic book guy from the Simpsons. So if you can say it like him, worst comic <laughs> podcast ever, you get the joke. <laughs> so, um, we had had that on the back burner. It's like, all right, let's use this for now. And if we come up with something better, we'll change it. <laughs> no, we've never, we've never changed it, but it's also one of those that when we're out in public, when we're at a convention or someplace and we make that, we tell the people the name, you get the joke. You understand the reference. You understand immediately <laughs> what we're talking about. And we set our bar so low. So if we are truly the worst and we do better, then we're doing something right. So, um, the show it's Colin and John and myself, we get together, we talk comics, we talk movies, TV shows, all the other nerdy stuff that our wives don't want to hear us talk about anymore. <laughs> uh, it's a weekly show. We've done this since the summer of 2014 so we are up to uh tomorrow as we record this uh we're going to be recording episode number 322 wow um i think we've only missed one week and that was uh a week between christmas and new year's we were just dark and no we, one said anything. We, we've so. already missed a week of this podcast so <laughs> 322 missing one is like amazing yeah yeah um and it's just it's it's a fun time for us to get together and hang out and be our nerdy selves and have that have those discussions that we want to have with other people. We bring in friends to talk comics. We do interviews with creators. Uh, we we volunteer our time at conventions to fundraise for the Hero Initiative, uh, which is a nonprofit that raises funds for comic book creators. Um, this past weekend, because Planet Comic Con was canceled due to COVID, they did an online con, and we were invited to do our podcast as a panel online last weekend. So if you go out to the Planet Comic Con Facebook page, they still have all the panels from the weekend available. Uh, we did a podcast panel. We had a lot of people tune in for that, uh, played a game, had some conversation, just a, made it a typical worst comic podcast ever panel, podcast discussion into a panel. So um, we would love for you to go out and give that uh, panel a watch and watch some of the other panels. Uh, my podcast host, John, did a Star Trek panel with uh, Star Trek writers Kevin uh, Dillmore and Dayton Ward and Star Trek artist Megan Levins, which was a lot of fun. Uh, they did some creator panels. They did a celebrity panel or two. Um, so it was just a lot of fun, and it gives you a little taste of what being at Planet Comic Con is like. If you would like to listen to my podcast, uh, we're uh, available wherever wherever you're getting Disney Plus at. You can probably get us at too. So. Yeah. Um, Look for Worst Comic Podcast Ever, wcpever.com is our website. We would love for you to give us a look and a listen. I will definitely be checking out the um, the live Facebook event that you guys had because it's, it's still available on demand. People can find it. So um, I'm definitely going to check that one out. I've um, been to several of you guys' live shows. Like when you guys are at Planet, I'm usually there. Mm. I think there's one year I couldn't make it. But other than that, I've been to the other ones. And you guys always do giveaways and... You know, there's criminally like 
I mean, there's a lot of people there when, when you guys have a packed house when you whenever you guys do a live show. But like, I'm sure you guys had probably more people than ever just in the fact that it was online. Like, people could watch it for free, right? You can watch it for free as long as you've got access to Facebook. Yeah. Um, because of the way we were in or getting into there, I don't know what the actual viewer numbers looked like. Yeah. Uh, just because I wasn't keeping Facebook up at the same time as doing that. Uh, but we had a lot of comments. So we know of a couple of dozen people that were online yeah. just based on the comments. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Even if we didn't have people listening to the show, if we didn't get the comments or the feedback, which we love, <laughs> every podcaster loves feedback. Bill would love to get feedback on this episode of Disney plus reviews. But even if we didn't get that feedback or that interaction, we would still be doing the podcast because it gives us a chance to hang out together as friends. Yeah. I've, um, I've always said that, that, that that's the core of our show is the friendship between us and just being able to be ourselves and talk nerdy with each other. Yeah. I, I've always said the same thing about this, about this show, about Disney plus reviews. Like I love talking about Marvel stuff, Star Wars stuff. Um, all the movies that we've talked about this summer have been incredible, fun conversations. It's a mm -hmm. hobby for me. And the fact that anyone listens at all blows my mind to be honest. Um, but then we've had people write into the show and, and, you know, give us good reviews and stuff like that. So like we're doing it for all of the reasons, but the main reason that I do it is just because I get to hang out with Jack. I get to hang out with grants. I get to hang out with you and mm -hmm. other, other people that we've had on the show. And so, um, it's just a fun time. And I, I, like it's so easy to do a podcast now. Like you buy a microphone and a couple cables and a soundboard and you can just do your own podcast from home. Yeah. And, um, it's really easy to do. We're doing this remotely. Jerry doesn't even live in Springfield where I live and, but with internet and modern video technology, it's, it's really easy to do a show. So, yeah, I, I've been helping a, a friend from high school. She's starting up her own podcast and she's been messaging me once or twice a week. <laughs> well, what do I do here? What yeah. do I do there? And it's like, you know, there, there are so many different ways to get into podcasting, but it is so simple at this point. You don't need to invest a lot of money up front to get started. Once you get into it, you may want to, but yeah. to get started, it's not that hard. It's really easy. And it gives you a chance to talk to people, talk to others, talk, just even talk to yourself, get, get your voice out there. If you're trying to be heard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's never been easier to get a podcast started than it is right now. And if if you want to do a podcast, go for it. And once you start doing it and you realize the work that you put into it, then go back to the podcast that you really like and send them a positive note because you know what we've been doing at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'd love to hear. That's a great transition into um, how I like to end the show. We love hearing from our listeners. So if you want to write the show, uh, it's very easy to do that. Just send an email to Disney Plus. That's P-L-U-S. Uh, Disney Plus Reviews at Hotmail.com. Uh, we'll, we'll get your email there. And uh, I'd love to read your email on the show. Or if you want to send an audio file with it, we could play the audio file on the show. Uh, let us know what you what you think about Who Framed Roger Rabbit or uh, what we're talking about uh, next week or something that you've watched on the show. We'd love to include you. So uh, please do that. Uh, speaking of next week, we are going to be covering, Grant and I are going to be talking about the one and only Ivan, which is uh, new content. Um, speaking of new content, so uh, just came out uh, as we were, are recording this on a Saturday, came out yesterday, uh, Friday. Um, 
on Disney Plus, uh, so you can watch it as of uh, August 21st. And uh, we're finally going to cover it next week. So uh, I wanted to talk about Roger Rabbit with you this week, and then we'll get to the one and only Ivan. Um, it's kind of a... Uh, I don't know what kind of reviews it's been getting. I try to stay away from that so I can kind of be honest with my own review of it. But uh, it has some big-name actors in it uh, doing voice work for like animals. Like It's a CGI animal kind of movie. Um, I think Brian Cranston is in it as a human, but like Angelina Jolie and some of the other actors are, are voicing characters in it. So um, I'm excited to watch that movie. Um, it looks like uh, maybe one that kids would enjoy, but also adults could enjoy too. So... Uh, so yeah, if you're listening to this in advance of next week's episode, that's your assignment. Watch uh, the, <laughs> the one and only Ivan, and then come back for our discussion. I'm sure we'll enjoy talking about that next week. Um, so Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, this was a, a very fun, very enjoyable conversation for me to have. It, it allowed me to relive my childhood a little bit. <laughs> so. Good. I I'm I'm right there with you, and like I said, I'm I'm. I will come on almost any time. I, I love having these conversations and getting to interact. And I, I truly wish we lived closer so we could do it more oh, yeah. in person once we get past COVID. Uh, but yeah, I, Bill, Bill is putting a lot of time and effort into this program. And I hope each and every listener realizes that uh-huh. uh, you're, you're doing a very good podcast. I, I'd listen each week and I, I love what you're doing here. So thank you. Oh, thanks. Well, we love having you on the show. So we will, uh, th- you know, three times in, in 41 episodes is pretty good. <laughs> We're going to keep that regimen up and keep having you on again and again. I'm sure we'll have you on again even before this year closes. So absolutely. Um, so we'll do it again. So uh, again, thanks for listening. Uh, watch the one and only Ivan for next week. And we'll see you then for talk about that movie.